Welcome to the Creek Devault Podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. Welcome back to the Creek Devault Podcast. I am joined to, today by Brandon Shirley. Brandon, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Brandon, you're an attorney in our healthcare practice group, correct? That's right. Tell me a little bit about your practice and what it is that you specialize in. Um, I have a, due to my background, I had a previous uh, experience with the state of Indiana advising their Medicaid agency. And so <clears throat> coming here into uh, private practice, I've specialized in a lot of the Medicaid issues that I dealt with at the state. And uh, along those lines, it's, it's more of a federal regulatory compliance practice. So every time you see federal or state laws coming down, I want to make sure, especially in the Medicaid side, I want to make sure clients are aware of those and are complying with them as non-compliance can create all kinds of issues. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, non-compliance, that's... Uh... That's a key word nowadays, given the vast array of laws that are uh, on the books. Mm-hmm. So our topic today is about unexpected medical bills. I, I think this one is one that hits home for a lot of our listeners, not only from a professional standpoint and concerns they might have for their organizations, but also as human beings. Uh, we all can suffer ailments and sicknesses that require medical help. And how we pay for that medical care has become more and more of a growing concern. So I understand that a couple of years ago, the state of Indiana implemented some new laws that might have helped to help the patient uh, avoid an unexpected medical bill. Uh, But that also creates some compliance issues for the Medicare professionals. Can you tell us a little bit about that that uh, that new law? Sure. And a lot of times you hear the word surprise medical bills. Um, unexpected is also used. And, and the reason it's <clears throat> unexpected or a surprise is I think many of us have had the same experience where you get a bill and you see, you think it's everything you had done, and then you get a separate bill from another provider that has charges on it that you weren't aware of. And your insurance is telling you they're not covered. Um, a classic example of this could be like an anesthesiologist coming in and, and performing, you know, it's, it's anesthesiology procedures and charging you separately for those. Your insurance isn't going to cover it. Um, this is now something that's on you. It's not going to go toward your deductible. And it is unexpected in that sense. Sure, yeah. Um, and it can be quite high. Uh, Indiana is among uh, at least uh, 23 other states that have taken some steps to address this. About 12 other states have taken much, much stronger protections for patients to prevent these kinds of unexpected bills. Indiana is more in the limited category. So am I doing my math right? We've got 23 states doing something limited and 12 more doing something more stringent. So is it 35 states that have addressed it at this point? That's correct, yeah. And the remaining states have done nothing. All right. Um, So what Indiana has tried to do is uh, put a a series of requirements uh, in place for providers to uh, make their uh, procedures more transparent, their costs more transparent, allow patients, uh, in particular patients who have insurance, who, are, uh, who have a procedure ordered, and uh, they're going to go to an in-network facility. Those are the facilities in-network with their insurance, but there may be providers who aren't. In that situation, <clears throat> Indiana law is saying, okay, you know, in that situation, the provider who's not in-network needs to notify the patient 
tell them uh, what their charges are going to be, and then uh, get the patient's consent to be able to charge them their out-of-network rate. So if the patient doesn't consent, then they're not allowed to charge them that extra amount, and it has to be leveled at the in-network rate. So it essentially puts everybody in network, if you want to look at it that way. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. The, the, the problem is that some patients were being treated by uh, medical care professionals who maybe weren't in their network. And then right. that bill's different than what your in-network billing would be. Mm-hmm. Less of a bill, less of an obligation to the actual patient, more of an obligation on the insurance carrier, different deductibles for some of our insurance policies. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, I, I'm with you there. So it seems common sense to me that when you go in to get a medical procedure that your facility or whoever's arranging for that procedure would have an, if not a legal obligation, a smart business obligation to tell you what your costs are going to be. Um, is Was that not the case before the law? Was this... Was this something that, uh, it must have been something that grew into a pro- enough of a problem that the legislature th- saw a need to, to draft a law? It, it could have been a, a, a good business sense. Um, I wouldn't call it an obligation. Um, it has become a requirement now to provide that uh, specifically only when the patient requests that from them. So in 2020... Um, it wasn't a requirement to provide the good faith estimate. It was it was a obligation only if the patient asked for it. And in the broad general sense, if you have a procedure ordered for you, and you're going to go somewhere and have it done, uh, you can say, "What is this going to cost me?" Say it's an MRI. What's this going to cost me? They have to give you that estimate, and then uh, you can decide, like, oh, well, I can get it cheaper over here. I'm not going to have it over here. So it gives you the power to decide or take control of your health care is the idea. Behind the law. Yes. But again, what I'm trying to get at in this conversation, what's really striking me as you describe the situation, is that we live in a capitalistic society. We are comfortable, by and large, with monetary transactions. We, We do them every day. And I think that um, for the lay people who are listening, there's what, what, what they think is routine. You know, you go to Walmart and the price that says on the sign that you're going to pay for that item is what it's going to be when you go to checkout, right? And if, you, if it says $7.99 in the aisle and you take it up front and they ring it up and it's $19.99, you know to complain and to say, that's not what it said in the aisle. It seems such a standard thing. If you go to a car dealer, they're required to put the price on a sticker on the window. Um, you know, and these are much smaller decisions, I think, than your healthcare decisions. Back to that best business practices. Isn't this something that m- medical professionals and medical organizations, healthcare organizations, should realize will help them with better collections, better better relationships with their patients, financial relationships, if they are clearing up front at the, from the onset? I think the, and I don't know all the ins and outs of, <clears throat> of why this is uh, done or not done. I think there are some clients I've talked to that said, yeah, we, we already have this. I think we can, you know, this shouldn't be too hard to comply with. And, and I think some of them do. I think what makes it really difficult is, uh, you know, a, a 
a sticker price on a car is, is something you can probably get a sense of what the value is. When you get into healthcare, so much is dependent on is the patient insured? What is <clears throat> what is the negotiated rate with the insurance company? Sure. Uh, you know, there's there's the charge that could be their usual charge, and then there's the charge that they've negotiated, and then there's different charges for different payers. So is there a, ever a true price of, say, an MRI? I don't know. <clears throat> it can vary by situation, and it's very difficult to know what that is. It, it, it's, it's the lawyerly answer we joke about is, well, it depends. Like, how much is this going to cost me? Well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. And it does depend. And <clears throat> that is an unfortunate reality of the healthcare system right now. Now, okay, so we've got this law in the books in Indiana. Tell me about the ins and outs of the law. Uh, and I think you said earlier, the end result, if you're, if it, if you're a healthcare organization, if you're not abiding by this, uh, by this statute that requires you to be, provide some transparency to the, to the patient, and I think it mainly just to insured patients, right? If you're uninsured, the bill's the bill, the bill, right? There's really no in-network, out-of-network. Um, and I think you may know more on that. I mean, I think if you're on some sort of subsidized health plan or a you know, Medicare, Medicaid, I would think that that, too, is not an in-network, out-of-network thing. I think you either take Medicare or you don't, right, as a health care provider. But for those that are dealing with private insurance plans or, or insurance health care insurance plans, the result, if they don't abide by the law, is that everybody gets treated as if they're in network, which is the the least amount probably the health care provider can can collect. Is that is that fair to say? That is fair to say, yeah. So how do they avoid doing that? What is it that, that the law, what is the burden or the, the requirement on the health care provider to, to do specifically? Healthcare providers need to uh, <clears throat> make these laws available, at least make the make notices of patient rights. They have to post these things on their walls. You know, you have the right to request a good faith estimate. We have to tell you within X amount of days that, that you know, what the prices and charges are going to be. So uh, they need to be prepared for that. They need to have a system in place to receive that request and to track it. There's a, there's a minimum amount of time they need to provide that information under statute. Uh, under, there's the, the complicating factor is that they may need to go to the insurance company and say, what is this, <clears throat> what is my network rate? What, what will you pay me for this service? There's information sharing that has to happen. And the law tells insurance companies when, when providers are asking you questions, you have to provide this information within two days. If you can't, provide the best information you can and update that when and if you get that information. So there's a little bit of flexibility built in there, but there are also tight timelines. And so what's important for providers to know is uh, you know, when these requests are coming in to treat them and to act on them and to make sure that they're providing, documenting that they're providing these estimates within the required time frame. There, there are penalties. Uh, now, I, the way I view the statute is they're graded penalties, so it may not be as serious at first, maybe like a reprimand or something. And it can lead all the way up to monetary penalties. Okay. Um, right. So, so it, the law has teeth. It has teeth. All right. So for the healthcare professionals or providers who might be listening to this, the concept is to to understand the law, especially if you're in Indiana and and one of 35, 34 other states, um, and make sure that you are in compliance with these these um, notification provisions. All right. Um, but back to the patient. 
what what should the patient expect? What are patient rights as they walk into a healthcare facility to get a procedure done? What is it that they should expect or can expect? And what shouldn't they expect? What is their burden? Well, there are exceptions to the law. So you mentioned Medicaid. Um, Medicaid patients uh, are exempted from these statutes. So if you're on Medicaid and you ask, what's this going to cost me? I think it makes sense. It doesn't really matter because the government's paying for you. Uh, Patients cannot expect to just blindly walk in to a a provider's office and say, what would an MRI cost me? Um, The law only requires providers to provide this information to patients. So if you you as a patient want to walk around and say, I just want to shop around for the best deal, they may provide that to you if you ask, but they're not obligated to. they, uh, patients can also expect uh, to get a, a good faith estimate that's fairly detailed uh, when they request one. It isn't just going to say your MRI is going to cost $2,500 or your, you know, your ankle surgery is going to be $19,000. It's actually going to break out uh, a lot of what you're getting and explain to you what those costs are. I'm thinking of myself. I recently had a procedure and I went through my physician to a surgery center and the procedure was done there. It was the facility that put me on, that gave me the estimates of what my portions would be, what my insurance coverage would be. And that did include, and there was a notification that there was part of the, part of my fees would be to the facility and part would be to the physician doing the work. is that who it falls on? Does it fall on the facility or does it fall on the provider? I believe the way the statute is worded is where the service is going to be provided. Okay. We'll provide you that estimate. So, so it is location tied. Location tied. All right. So if it's at a hospital, it's the hospital's obligation. If it's at a surgery center, it's the surgery center's obligation. Correct. Yeah. Um, I got gotcha. you. All right. And all of this is designed to take the unexpected out of the medical bill. That's correct. Do you see this statute growing in nature in the future? I mean, do you, you mentioned that 12 states have gone even more um, heavy-handed with their statutes. Do you know enough about those 12 states to comment? I mean, what have they done in, as, as compared to what Indiana has done so far? Well, it's, it's evolving. Uh, <clears throat> Indiana may or may not address it. I don't know. What, what may drive more changes to Indiana uh, Specifically, are a set of federal laws that just came out uh, called the you know the No Surprises Act, and it's attempting to accomplish similar things. However, there's provisions in this federal law that say, when say for instance, when when uh, determining what price an out-of-network provider is going to charge an insured patient, um, it defers to state law. Uh, and if there's no state law on the books, then it can be. Uh, a demonstration waiver, or um, like they call it a qualified payment amount. Uh, so states are federalized giving states the authority to determine how these rates will be set. Indiana has not claimed that yet, but these regulations just came out. Uh, so I think with time, states are going to start looking at this and saying, how specific do we, do we want to take control over this law or do we want the federal government to be kind of dictating how this goes so there's going to be some give and take um 
in the last general session, Indiana uh, legislators updated the law, uh, and although aware of what the No Surprises Act said, all they said was, you know, you need to make sure you're complying with these provisions of that law, and they took no other steps to do anything. So whether or not they want to or have the appetite to is yet to be determined. And do you think you deal, I think most of your clients are healthcare professionals or healthcare facilities. Um, have the facilities by and large adopted to the law? Has it been taken in stride or have you seen some pushback? Medical billing is a very complicated thing, I'm sure. Uh, and I think that there are probably a lot of unknown variables in that process that even the most advanced and sophisticated health facility billing office can't really know at all times, right? Whether your insurance is going to accept that, whether it's a network, whether it's on the fee schedule, whether you're even still insured, I'm sure there are just so many variables that go into that. But by and large, have you seen your clients adopt this uh, without hesitation? Uh, yes, uh, though the common complaint is, do you realize I'm going to have to hire one or two people just to keep track of this alone? And that is a reality of it. Which is almost a catch-22 because hiring more people to do these types of things just increases health care costs. Increases costs, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've also heard uh, people generally say, what's, you know, it, should I just pay the penalty? Uh, is it worth it to me to just take whatever penalty comes and not do this? And I've had you know, serious discussions with people. Are they really going to comply, or is it cheaper to just be penalized? Um, Indiana's regulators haven't put the statutes into um, regulations yet. And they have not taken any enforcement actions yet. So we don't really know how aggressive the state is going to be with these types of laws. So it is a valid consideration since really nothing has been done yet. Uh, but for the most part, I think a lot of uh, my clients have said, look, we, we can do this. We've already got what we need. This yeah, that be that circles us back to when I first started talking and that commonsensical, you know, I think of, for, as an attorney, I think of the UCC. I think of offering acceptance. I think of some of these things that are uh, baked into our, our, our capitalist system. And, the, the, you know, most consumers don't probably know even what the UCC is, the Uniform Commercial Code adopted by most states, and it regulates things that we don't think about, such as offer and acceptance or warranties. What is a warranty? What are you, what are you offering and, and what responsibilities do you have? Um, and as I, as I sit here and talk to you, the more, they just, I just kept going back to that, that it seems to me that, uh, yes, it's complicated and I don't take away from that. But, but like you said, by and large, most of your clients probably already had some form of regime to do this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the the hardest part is is having someone watching deadlines, keeping track of, right. you know, did the insurance get back to me? Have we responded to this patient? Do we have his consent yet? Yeah. Can we charge out of network rates? And there's a balancing that, that has to happen there yeah. to accommodate that. Yeah, balance. That's that's very key. Final thoughts on this one is um, is it? Uh, do you think that it's a step forward? Do you think that it's just more burdensome uh, regulation on an already very heavily regulated industry? It is. It is a positive step forward. Uh, I think it's it's 
it's helpful for everybody. Um, this the pressure for with surprise billing <clears throat> has been building uh, for several years. I mean, it's it's something you hear about on the news almost every day about somebody getting a a bill they didn't expect, um, and and I think it's it's come to the point where uh, something had to give, uh, and and I think regulators are are trying to balance both sides, um, but it is shifting more heavily in favor of the patient just because it was tilted so heavily in favor of providers before. So there's some evening out that's going to happen. Um, I think people will get used to it, and it should hopefully uh, put things into a better place. Well, thank you for that, Brandon. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, for those of our listeners that want more information on this topic or other healthcare topics, they can go to our website at kriegdevault.com. Have a site or portion of our site dedicated to the healthcare practice group, as well as your own bio and page there, where they can find more information. I know you've done some other articles on this and other substantive topics in the healthcare industry. So, uh, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, you too.